Hey everybody, this is Richie from the Metal Cell Podcast. I want to give a shout out first of all to our main sponsors, Rising Suns, the award-winning brewery in Cork. Be sure to call in if you're a tourist around the Cork area. I'm sure they look after you there. I'm delighted to welcome back to the show Nathaniel from Damham. How are you, Nathaniel? Hi there, Richie. How are you doing? Good and to see you again, my friend. Thank you very much for having having me or us collectively, I suppose. Uh, me and the band are You're repping the lads again on the show. Yeah, we, shout out to Flo, Nick, and Faust. Hope they're all keeping well. They are, uh, to the best of my knowledge. Yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty good. Yeah, thank you. When was the last time you saw them actually as a collective? Great question. Uh, well, we had a rehearsal about 10 days ago. I have regular updates with uh, with Flo, especially as we press ahead with the comic. So okay. we'll have sort of status meetings, but those tend to be on Zoom. Let's say rehearsal was about, yeah, 10, 10 days ago or so. And whereabouts are you all living, Nate? Is it you all London-based or some of you further out? It's mostly London, but uh, Flo lives a bit uh, further towards, say, Northampton, Mid- Midlands. Basically. Okay. And that's a pity especially with you i would imagine that flow is involved in a lot of the composition yes um but we've never let that hold us back i'd say he's he's always been pretty good about traveling and i i i drive up to uh where he he um practices drums and so on and we we actually also it this this works in terms of both the composition and the recording we actually have a semi-permanent setup in his drum room where uh, he can just press record so instead of having to go into a studio which well having to it's it's a pleasure when you get to do that mm. and a privilege but um it's also great to be to have a setup where you can have a, a good enough capture quality where you can really focus on getting the performance just right okay. because I would personally take a terrible recording of an incredible performance over the other way around, right? Oh. And I, th- I think I think any anyone would as well if you if you hear the results. Yeah, like living in London brings its own problems, and and of course it it has its positives as well. Don't get me wrong, but maybe just for the likes of yourselves as a band, we'll just talk about what's available to for rehearsal spaces and studios well the the standard model in london essentially and in the environs is hourly rehearsal spaces and that's pretty much the model everywhere unless you're lucky enough to have your own existing space that you can convert into something and as you will be aware, spaces are massively at premium premium in London. So that's incredibly difficult. You can cobble things together where you have a couple of bands that share a private space. Okay. Right? Uh, the, the, the closest to that is when I was uh, playing and rehearsing with Akakoka. And there's actually a studio at, at Dave's parents' place, essentially. Okay. Um, but yes, that's that's how it is. And what are the rates like? Oh, goodness. Um, I'd say a good rate 
is depend it'll depend on the size of the studio for something like a single person space if you want to play guitar loud or drums it, it, you might be able to get something like five to eight pounds an hour for something like a full band a good rate is around 10 12 pounds an hour okay so yeah it, but you can get some that go up to 20 50 yeah of course depending on how much gear you have there as well for example uh, uh john henry's i don't know if they still do uh rehearsal spaces but that's where the big productions tend to go and rehearse because they'll have a front of house and monitor system mm. that you know with full range of drums and backline exactly to spec and whatnot so like through the years if you're living in london it is that something that kind of frustrates you that that you have to literally shop around the whole time Yes, but it's just one of the things that you take uh, as a given. You know, mm. if you want to operate or um, if you want to thrive in this space, you just need to take all this sort of stuff in 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 your stride and and work to making it work for you. Yeah. And it's it's almost just like you know buying food. You have to do that. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah. Food for thought there. Let's go back a small bit to when he played Limerick at the Siege. Is the feeling still there? Nice, warm, happy feeling? Um, well, yes, of course. It's um, it's always a, a a a privilege to 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 play and and to attend actually mm. uh, any uh, Siege event. It's great to, that it exists and that it's it serves as a center to to quite a buzzing scene right yeah. uh, one one of the nodes of of kind of of activity and and it's and it's amazing to be uh invited to participate in it um and it, it was it was our our best siege so far yeah hopefully the next one will be even better but mm. uh but that it was it was really great uh being able to see see everyone and and yeah um, the one thing I would say is next time I'll make sure that the flight isn't the one that leaves at 9am the next day. <laughs> so to put this into context, you played in 2023, wasn't it? Yes. Was it? Was no, it wait, 22. No, it was 2022. 20, 20, 20. 22, yeah. my apologies. Yeah, it was, it was the last, it was, was the, the last, last Halloween one. Correct, yeah. I'm up at the counter at the bar in 2023. Yeah. Having a beer and looking around as I tend to do. And suddenly at the end of the bar, there's Nathaniel. And I'm just going, wow, that weed is really strong. I looked again and sure enough, I was thinking, it, it definitely is like, can't, but like, how is this possible? Up I went to you and sure enough, you were there, man. What a brilliant surprise to see you in attendance. Well, uh, you know, I, like I said, the uh, the event is, I, it's a great one to attend and be a part of as well as as uh, as as play at. Um, there's always a great atmosphere. There's always great band bands worth watching. Uh, there's people there to catch up with. Yeah. Uh, um, and uh, and. To be fair, there was another uh, motive for me being there, which was to 
um, collect some of the stuff that we'd managed to leave behind at the previous siege. Okay. But I could have arranged that somehow via mail or something. Yeah. It, was, it was just a nice excuse to, to mm. come out and, uh, and, and party with the lads. Yeah. Okay, so the last time you were on the podcast was 2019. I checked it there. Yeah, uh, Monolith. Monolith, yeah, Con Dial, shout out to Con. Unfortunately, and it's 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 becoming a thing now where there's been some fantastic lineups in festivals, both here and in the UK, particularly the longevity of them. You're not guaranteed anymore. And for an island like ourselves, the venture that Con started out with, with the best intentions and having some fantastic bands over two or three years, suddenly there was a whole issue with COVID and then postponements and, you know, I suppose bands needed deposits on their appearances. Would that be right as well? There's a few things. I mean, I listen, I, I haven't, promoted a gig since the early 2000s right mm. so i'm at best a poorly experienced novice um i mean i s- suppose we do pull our weight when we're booked for a gig we'll we'll take you know pitch into the promotion make sure that everyone who we can make aware of the gig will be aware mm. of it etc etc but there's a certain amount of this is where the buck stops. These are the people who are putting up the, the the cash and taking the risk and all that sort of stuff. And there's a certain amount of considerations that need to be taken into account when putting that sort of things together that I'm just not as immediately aware of as they are. Mm-hmm. So I would caution my let's say any kind of armchair analysis on you know why is is there an epidemic of cancellations shall we say yeah especially in the uk as well man there's been a lot of well, bands. there was so I, I mean i'd say monolith is to me it sounded more like con was you know it's it's a lot of hassle and his past events have been really successful and I can't remember whether there was one scheduled for the the period which became the lockdown or not. Yeah, there was, but, yeah. but I, it sounds like he wanted to just get on with his life and not have the the kind of the 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 the, the other things that you have to deal with uh, to deal with, uh, which is totally fair enough. Like he did a really excellent job of of all the ones, and I. Mm. As a as an outsider, I reckon he could have, uh, or the him and the team, because I I think it, it was, was a team, yeah, correct, yeah, but, uh, but could have continued, expanded, etc. But that requires certain number of things like extra collateral, and and it eats into the time that you can devote to the other parts of your life. Like, um, I was bitterly disappointed that um, the UK Death Fest. There was only one edition, which, to be fair to them, they they continued to push through COVID until it actually happened, and then they said, "Okay, well, this is the only one that's ever going to happen." Yeah. Can you imagine trying to organise 
a sort of three and a half thousand festival uh attendance festival like in baltimore from here <laughs> yeah. or from this side of the atlantic yeah. with with some pretty major bands from all over the world mm. right and and it's not a sort of really significant money making enterprise sure i'm sure they made money but i don't think that's that's the real root of the motivation here it's it's genuinely a labor of love i think that happens to make them some money but i don't think they're going to you know buy a a, a horde of ferraris a <laughs> fleet of ferraris from it sort of thing right so can you like but th they weren't just organizing one they were organizing netherlands one quebec uh california etc so now they're saying well we're, we're just going to to do the the, the what's it the, the original one which is fair enough and so a few i think that's that's the case for a few promoters which is we're just going to s stop doing it because it's a lot of hassle and a lot of risk that while we're not in the ditch right now we're not sure we can afford it with the increases in in costs etc etc and i suspect again my perspective is limited but i would suspect that things like insurers have increased their premiums as oh absolutely before, right yeah. so so if you if you have have this sort of uh uh convergence of circumstances that are basically undermining the the, the the that type of enterprise and there are some which which have tried to push through uh like manifest we played i think it was manifest north which was mm. basically a smaller version of that that festival yeah um last year which was uh it was it was a good thing to be a part of uh i wish we'd done the saturday but we couldn't um but um but you know th there's there's the one that happened this year and i i don't know the specifics of it but if you look at all the gigs not festivals but all the gigs that we've um that we've been booked for most of the ticket sales happened within two weeks of the events of the pre-sales so yeah. you know you've got a sort of flat line where hardly anyone buys tickets and then when people think yes i know what i'm doing i've been paid this month and mm -hmm. i want to go to this show you get this surge of tickets and you yeah. get a, a venue that's at least two-thirds full or half full or just enough to to break even for the promoter and the bands right but that that sort of attitude is really pervasive because people have been burnt specifically uh i was actually watching that video about the metal days debacle uh i don't know if you've you've watched no. it but i it's it's an interesting viewpoint i don't know the ins and outs of all the facts but the the long and the short of it is that a lot of people bought tickets and didn't have and i don't mean specifically metal days i mean I, you know even even if it's flight tickets plane tickets with uh with ryanair michael o'leary if you're hearing this um um but yeah there's there's um people got burnt got their fingers mm. burnt and don't want to invest in something if it's not a dead cert and i suspect that's what happened with manifest uh, because they they pulled out a month before yeah. and i wonder if 
if the other festival i can't remember what it was called but i'm trying to remember it as well yeah while you were talking the, it's gone. There, there was a festival that cancelled two weeks earlier yeah, correct yeah, and yeah. as soon as that happened people like uh manifest it's not going to happen is it and that just became a self-fulfilling prophecy people yeah. stopped buying tickets completely and that just ran it into the gap so they got squeezed between rising costs the need to come up with more liquidity and 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 that the the non-increased ticket sales yeah. um, did you play monolith festival that's because it was uh on about condoyles monolith in cork there was a, a monolith festival in may was announced with overkill my dying bride exhorter this member sadly no right i would would have loved to obviously especially as a at least two of those bands are let's call them bucket list bands me personally mm -hmm. but um but no, um, but uh, the, the the other thing about uh, Manifest is that, and and I think a lot of these other festivals is that it, it doesn't just have a repercussion for the people who wanted to attend and the bands who were going to play. It has repercussions for people beyond the immediate uh, blast radius, let's say. So yeah. specifically, because Exhorder weren't going to get to play manifest and weren't going to get that fee they cancelled a bunch of dates in europe and there are a couple of dates i know of in greece that were cancelled where cancer were due to play um that that, that were cancelled because of the other cancellation so it's incredibly frustrating when these things go that spectacularly wrong yeah uh but hopefully we're beyond that to a large extent and you know that there's there still are people who continue to uh to, to to push through and and provide an arena for the 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 scene to to live right yes like a better way of putting it yeah i mean a personal highlight for you i'd say this year was supporting left to die uh yeah we didn't just do one date we did we did two dates yeah and it was really uh, satisfying to see that on the other side of of the sea, uh, the Irish Sea, you had uh, the Zealot Cup lads, mm -hmm. you know, doing basically doing what we were doing over there, and it was it's they're they're, they're real scene veterans, so to see them get that kind of opportunity to take that box basically and get to play with with their heroes just as we did um is is great uh and 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 it was fantastic to meet like uh it's especially rick ross yeah. like such such a appreciative low-key you know legend really yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah to get to connect with these people and 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 get get on that sort of level where you have an exchange the, you know leprosy is was the first really heavy thing that i listened to and it, it blew my mind when i was 15 mm -hmm. and so to to i've i've really been waiting <laughs> to see that particular show for since since then so yeah. To not only get to see it twice, but get to get to play with that band is uh, is is yeah a beyond 
uh, my expectations, at least as a 15 year old. Now I'm a little bit more uh, <laughs> uh, high in terms of my expectations, but yeah. And how did you approach the actual gig itself? I mean, okay, like oh. I'd imagine you're fairly reserved anyway, but I'm sure there was a party you wanted to fanboy spectacularly at some stage or other. Well, it was, we, you know, we did get uh, to kind of meet them and uh, uh, pr- provide, help provide, a, a, let's say, local scene welcome or UK okay. scene welcome to them. So to have that that kind of exchange and get to talk about, uh, you know, whatever mm. guitar tunings or live yeah. uh, bonds and 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 so on is is great. But like, as far as the show goes, as in the 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 actual sequence of events, in a way you kind of have to approach it as you would any other show. Mm. It's just a case of making sure that everything works when you need it to and there's so much focus that goes to that and then you have to make sure the merch desk is set up and somebody's minding it and all that stuff Mm. that you don't really have any time to think about i don't know fanboying or being nervous about (laughs) anything it's just like is everything yes is this on right does he have his yeah uh, can you hear that yeah Mm. and and then lights are on and, and it's time to go and of course you're playing to probably half of a crowd that mightn't have necessarily heard of you so you're trying to win no. over new fans as well um again i don't let that bother us uh if you know what i mean it's just as i repeat a lot every step of the way every every process every part of the process needs to be an end in itself right whether we we're driving to a show whether we're having a some food together or a, you know as a band or rehearsing writing music recording it putting together an album that that we're really happy with uh creating the comic um or or, or actually getting in front of people and playing a show it's just another instance of getting together and making that noise that you know that the, the, the four musicians those four musicians only can make right yeah. so in a way it doesn't really matter who's watching us right obviously the the energy of of the audience is going to contribute to how the the the, the delivery uh, comes across and all that sort of stuff but mm-hmm. ultimately in a way it's it's irrelevant but the thing is while maybe some people didn't hadn't heard of us or hadn't heard us before it's going to be one of the easier crowds to win out yeah you know rather than i don't know uh if we were to play with a, i don't know evergrey fans or something yeah. it's probably not the best example but yeah. there, there will be other crowds that are less well predisposed to our kind of yeah racket okay so let's let's get on to the new release world turned hell congratulations yes, well, on it man thank you very much uh one uh nugget of uh irritating information about it is that the uh all the streaming service algorithms picked up the word hell and decided that it was uh, filled with profanity. 
which it is not, because hell is is a profane term for the uh, for the North Americans. Right. So uh, so Spotify puts a little e to make sure the people know that they're going to hear explicit lyrics, which by the way we never have. There's never any yeah. wearing in our in our lyrics. But yeah, oh, that's that's an education there straight away. It's really irritating, but yeah. uh, it's fun. Mm. Let's talk about it. Two brilliant songs, another step in the right direction for the band, I would say. Like it's got all the elements of them, but sharp shock and again, intrinsic little changes there and there. And your vocal performance actually on it. I really enjoyed it. Well, thank, thank you very much. And uh, thanks for taking the time to listening. Uh, for for thanks for taking the time to listen to it uh, to anybody who has already done so um and as with all of our records we essentially i think it's fair to say that we take all the existing elements and uh and and kind of add to them hmm. depending on how we're inclined at that point in time right there isn't really uh, a formula there isn't really this this kind of method and i don't think we're ever going to be in a situation where we go well how did we write that song let's let's see what makes that work and replicate it and write a riff that's kind of like this riff and layer things in this way because it's like that it's more mm. case of you've written something and you come out to the other end and you have no idea how you did it right <laughs> it's more a case of you have a certain number of ideas you try and stick them together see what works and above all throughout the whole process trust your taste trust what you feel in your gut gut is is good and bad and what you feel in your gut is complete mm. right so that's that's another another thing because we have some songs which are ostensibly complete they just don't feel quite right so we'll we're not going to do anything with them until that it gets to that point. Um, but it's 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 more a kind of at the risk of sounding a taster, even more um, painfully pretentious than I already might have. Uh, it's it's a real the process itself is a journey. It's like it's just taking what you can come up with, sticking it together and uh, trusting your taste and hoping for the best. But you've um, you've kept the key elements of your sound. That's yeah. And there's certain patterns that are definitely yours. You'd know it. I just concentrated more on your singing for, for those two songs. And I'm just wondering, is there a feeling that over the last few Maybe even like I'm trying to figure out the last recording was 2019, wasn't it? Yes. You've developed a vocal style, whether or not it's crafted through playing live now or something like that. But it's it's working and it's working really well, especially for the new two songs. So I'm just intrigued in relationship because they, they definitely obviously are a taster to what's coming down the line. Well, we, we have we have a, another album that we're literally recording right now as we mm. speak. You know, okay. the, the, the drum recordings are coming through. I'm sending them off to Faust for him to record the bass. Actually, that reminds me, I need to nag him about it. But um, but it's it's ongoing, as as I think you've 
identified. But in terms of the the chancing up upon a new kind of sound that's newer than the previous sounds that we've uh you know brought together mm. um and particularly in terms of the vocal style i mean i've been i've been shouting into a microphone in one way or another for yeah what 25 years something mm -hmm. like that so um your voice physiologically is going to evolve anyway and yeah. there's when you get into that zone where you you don't think about the specifics of the technique and you're just completely connected with what it is that you're putting across and almost thought comes out of the equation and you're just dependent on the chemistry of of the band and and how you know the sound system responds and the guitar sound then that's when things will happen that are beyond your consciousness in a yes. way and i think that's that might be one of the things that you're alluding to or touching upon in terms of the the vocal morphing uh there's there's another thing which is i guess some of the vocals are semi-clean shall we say they're more more towards traditional singing and i've always had a strong aversion to yeah. Uh, certain types of bands that put together different styles that that are just the jar for me, right? And I think maybe you know at the the at the risk of uh, uh, injuring a few sacred cows, uh, something like Slipknot, right? Mm. Um, I I could never get on with the way that he screams, and then all of a sudden it's this sort of completely different section with with like uh this melodic major key tune and and he sort of sings along with it and it it just felt a bit awkward to me right mm. so yeah i i feel that the way that we do things it's a bit more um integrated it's a bit it, it kind of the bits dovetail in with each other almost like they're they're one entirety of 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 work rather than different sections if you know what i mean yeah but but that's that's just my uh perspective and taste okay so i'm gonna play world turned hell and we'll talk about then your relationship with neil kernan mm -hmm. afterwards and We'll see where that that brings us. Right, here we go. World Turn Tell of the EP. Separate 
was fantastic, man. Really enjoyed it. Right, Neil, can I even say is he involved so much in it now that you really enjoy working with him? Well, I would say that uh, I've always enjoyed working with Neil um, from from the get-go. Mm. Um, one thing that is should be obvious is that Neil is very much the real deal. They, you know, the, to wheel out all the cliches, they don't make them like that anymore. Mm. Um, he started his audio career i think i don't know if it's the 60s or the 70s but we're talking at least early 70s oh that's like 50 years now man yeah Mm. and he's he's worked with all sorts of styles um and all sorts of great artists like you know whether you're talking about yes uh david bowie uh uh, Judas Priest, um, Elton John, Hall and Oates, Nile, Cannibal Corpse, Nevermore, uh, Macabre. Uh, you, th- there's his his CV is is impressive, in even the word. So, so it's it's a real privilege to work with somebody of that caliber. For a start and then to you know he wouldn't to know that he wouldn't work with us if he didn't like our music right, right. so to have that sort of yeah. validation not that i'm seeking it mm. but um but it's definitely welcome um and of course when you're working with someone like that they're, they are a, a fount of anecdotes and tips and tricks and you, not all our conversations revolve around, you know, um, audio or how to produce what we're going to do with this song or or what the preferred compression settings might be for this track. But uh, which which is another reason why it's so entertaining to work with him because he does have all these all these other interests and so on uh and and he's he's generally quite an interesting guy um you know he's he's one of the people who has plugins as a new audio technology sent out to him to be tested by the companies that make it right so uh so again it's 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 a real privilege to to have that that connection and that know-how poured into the 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 the, the cutting edge of what you're doing really so so yeah i don't know if that answers your question mm. for most of the, the the time that he's worked with us he lived in chicago now he lives somewhere up in uh, new york state but i think uh but um but yeah, we've we've always only interacted via um, via internet communication or telephone. Oh, um, I thought he was one of those guys that spends half his time in London or England and half his time in America. Uh, no, I'm, oh. I'm afraid not. Um, but um, but yes, so I we've 
we've communicated extensively over mm. you know telephone email and so on and i would say that if if we do go back to working with him for the next album which which i would like to um he might have a bit more of a hand in terms of recommendations for the actual sound capture right okay the, the, the recording side of things because there were certain things that he felt he needed to modify to um in terms of the the sound for example the guitar sound and things like that he, he wanted certain tweaks to be made so for the next one we're going to be able to work further to his specs okay in, in terms of, of the capture and that sort of stuff but in no the the vocal performance is it's almost it's quite a, a sort of private thing like you can't really do it or at least i can't in in terms of in front of an audience or anything like that even a recording engineer is borderline too much you know wow. it needs to be somewhere far away where i can blast the music and and just focus on bringing the lyrics together and and getting a sequence that makes sense and also I would add if since you're you're showing some interest vocals always need to be done with the the guitar put put away right you can't be playing and trying to put the vocals to the music because then that is one of the surest ways to uh to come up with your most boring performance because you're always going to instinctively tend to do it in time with your right hand uh because your brain hasn't learned to disassociate yeah whereas if you do it separately there'll be more room for things like syncopation and and just yeah different rhythms different melodies that you would never have come up with otherwise yes. so actually that's a very important part of the process yeah. It's a good tip as well for younger bands that are listening in. The downside of that, of course, is that it's easy to come up with vocal lines that are quite difficult to play to an intricate rhythm mm -hmm. uh, line. But at the same time, that means you're going to push yourself uh, in terms of your technical ability and, and performance. OK, um, talk to me about To Catch a Falling Knife maybe the title goodness um i just felt that that title how shall i say summed up something about um the 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 human condition in a way right so you're 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 perpetually on on the edge hurtling through time and space um making a racket as the case may be and 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 you're just this this form uh rather than a collection of atoms i would say it's 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 fairly common parlance to refer to you know life as a, as a as a ever shifting form um evolving through time and space rather than you know i am i am this matter mm. um so I'm I'm not articulating it very well, but there is something about that title which I felt captured some some of the essence of the uh, the immediacy uh, and almost empowering fragility of 
the the the, the human condition, shall we say? Hmm. That makes sense. But yeah, but the title itself conjures up another image. Obviously, the knife is falling. You don't want to catch it, but you, your your instincts will immediately. Yes. So there's that element, and then there's what you described as well. And I was just wondering, was there <laughs> any influence with what real life experience? Which no, I, with actually some Asian movies, kung fu movies, ring like oh, that. Interesting. Well, uh, while I did watch literally every single Samurai. film on Netflix during the <laughs> lockdown, uh, no, that didn't come into it at all. But uh, ah. on this subconsciously, possibly, but no, it's it's more of experiences with uh, large chef knives in my kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll have a listen to it here. Of course, it should be noted as well that Nick makes his debut on yes. this EP. Um, mostly, uh, he participates in terms of the lead that he wrote for 
the title track of yeah. the EP, and which we're obviously really happy with. And it, I mean, it's it's something we'd flirted with. There are obviously a few leads in previous albums, etc., but it's never a main kind of part of the of the tracks. So to approach things in that, in a way, quite traditional way to have that solo moment that's part of the song in that way um was is in a sense a departure for us and i can't think of anyone better to uh to to take that leap with us right yeah. he's, he's really phenomenal in terms of uh, of lead guitar work mm. yeah it's nice to acknowledge it man he, he just is <laughs> the two live tracks that are attached to the EP in a language they understand and descendant of Amalek yeah where were they recorded well uh in a language they understand was recorded at actually Nick's first performance with us I think okay uh which was bloodstock I think 2019 ah. um so they had this setup where they would be able to record every single track separately. Mm. So they gave you the multi-track of performance so you could get it mixed properly afterwards. And the multi-cam footage is fantastic. Yeah. So it, it was, we, we really had to do something with that. And plus that, you know, that, that performance uh, was, was good enough for recording uh, as in to, for, for, for release. And we'd never done any live content as part of a release before. Mm. So in a way, this this EP, that being part of an EP is a first. Yeah. Um, and many bands, I would say, uh, you know, many bands do absolutely bring it when it comes to the live arena. But you do occasionally come across a band that, record something and then doesn't really deliver it live in the same way um so in a way that's that's almost an old school value because you have all these bands that will play with a backing track and i don't mean play with the backing track like wasp where they pretend yeah. that that's what they're doing i mean as part of the performance it's explicit that there's backing track and that they're putting down their instruments for a bit so that they can sort of sing together or do a trade-off. Mm. And then later on, they pick up their guitar and their drum kit, and then they go back to it. Yeah. And that's fine, because that's that's part of the thing. But no, I mean, I well, we, in a sense, we're still purists, because we want to be able to do things, deliver them live first, and to be able to do something which stand on its in its own stands in its own right and mm -hmm. is uh, a representation of what we're doing on the record that that does it justice right so that's actually a really important thing that's always been a common thread throughout uh, all the time that we played um so to have a, an actual fixed sound embodiment representation of that and release it was was in a way a a step that it's that it's strange that we'd never taken before right um then we had uh descendant 
which was that's almost like a covid track because we had this thing um this virtual festival hosted by uh, Metal i remember Infection, watching it yes which is which was called slay at home so we participated in one edition and we you know we did our recording live but each separately in in our studios um and then we mixed it together and again we liked the vibe we liked the way it sounded so that one track actually is mixed by someone other than neil it's the only track on the ep but it's mixed by the same guy who record who recorded and mixed the difference engine which was our second album when we had uh when we were called damp so um so it was nice to bring him back in yeah him. nice drawback yeah yeah mm. uh, and he he did it again justice and has his kind of signature uh quite thick guitar sound um added to it so um so yeah it, it really it it just seemed like the right thing to do yeah and so this is out on Church Road Records and it's on available on cassette and CD. That's correct. So um, your relationship with Church Road Records? Um, well, I've known Sammy especially, but Sammy and Justine for a long time, over a decade. So they're, they're, the, they're the main guys of Church Road Records. And if you if you aren't aware, they, um, they're the main driving force behind uh, Employed to Serve. Yeah. Um, okay. right now who are I think they're still on the festival circuit at the moment and one thing that I, I know it, that is particularly true with with this label is that um, I, ha I, I have faith in their integrity right yeah. so I know that whatever decision they're going to make it's it, it comes from the right place shall we say the best interests in the band at heart like well no it's not it's not even the the band i mean because it's it's a business right so mm -hmm. if if the if the situation arises that it's not the you know it's a decision needs to be made in their interest that is disfavorable to any one of their bands like you know they're going to be fair about it yeah right yeah. and and yeah like i said it then they're not going to lie to you or they're not going to steal from you or they're not going to do anything less than their best to promote what it is that, that you're working towards together it's actually in the end it's a it's a joint enterprise mm. now was alan o'neill involved with the artwork for the ep as well he certainly yeah. was so okay fantastic uh, job alan who um who i found out about because he worked with conan and conan. somebody who yeah. developed some of their artwork some of their t-shirt work um specifically the pixel art like the kind of old school 8-bit console game yeah. star thing it's you know it was excellent that's what attracted me to his uh his work in the first place he uh so he did part of the, the a t-shirt design that became part of the inlay of the previous album and we were so happy with that that well we ended up working on the comic with him but um, I also wanted him to do a cover because that was one of the first things that drew me to his work. There was a, I can't remember what the, the band was called, but there's this sort of body in water and there's there's like a, a ship in the distance and 
and it's it's a two-tone work right mm -hmm. and it's just so striking so well composed i was like i want something like that and i also wanted something like that because i wanted it to work with merch and two screens right yes so that's that's always a consideration something striking that's reasonably simple to to implement and to reproduce um and actually by the time this goes out we'll probably have announced the made the t-shirts available as well Excellent. um so so yes um again, what brief did you give them on in relation to the design of of the ep um i spoke to him about the the title track okay and how it uh it's basically about the the experience of shall we say extreme bereavement that, that one can go through um and he came up with that. But the thing about the, I'd say the last three album covers, and this has been unintentional so far, is that they could be seen as all frames or pictures or portrayals of the same world. Okay. Right? The same when I say the same world, the same sort of hellish dream world, right? Actually, if you if you look at um, the the difference engine and a fine game of nil, that could just be a different vantage point from mm. the, the 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 point of view looking at the grave with all the the debris in the background, right? Yeah. Um. So. I would in, invite anyone who's curious about this to revisit those and have a look at them and see how that's that's actually strangely eerily true almost. Yeah, that's really exciting now to have that merch range coming through. Now collaborating with Alan on the comic book. Now the bloodied is. As I said to you in Limerick, it was um absolutely brilliant piece of writing. And for someone who loves comics, if you can see it there. I'm glad you finally got it. Yeah, I was stressed over that, actually. <laughs> it's just beautifully put together. I recommend any fan of the genre to definitely check it out. It's up on your band camp, uh, uk, And... Maybe just to read the back, steeped in the lore and mystique of the murky, weather-beaten streets of London, the bloody tells the tale of four misfit musicians as they summon occult powers through the ear-splitting roar of, of heavy metal to fight the otherworldly forces unleashed by a mysterious cabal. Um, so enjoyable. Let's talk about the young Natalian. When you were 12, 13, was comics a big part of your life then? Um, yeah, around then. I, I mean, I come from a, I grew up in, in France and Belgium, so that has a strong comic culture. Has it really, yeah? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, growing up with things like Asterix and Logius. Okay and uh, Tintin and a few others 
Gaston Lagaffe or like uh, Gottlieb, who's a, a French artist uh, who's no longer with us. But like there's there's a real, I'd say, deeply embedded cultural thing there, right? And especially something like the Incal by Mobius, which I think I came across when I was seven. It, and it's quite a dark sci-fi epic, right? Almost like esoteric uh, epic with some, I don't know if it's it's sci-fi or supernatural elements, but it's it's quite, yeah, it was, it was, it was a real mind blow moment um, mm. at the time. And so that that sort of thing really embeds itself in your evolving psyche. So I'd had the idea to put together a comic, but I I I don't think I would have. It it had never really been a, a massive ambition of mine, but it's just I had this idea in the back of my mind for a decade or so, and then we were stuck and we couldn't go anywhere. And between, you know moments watching kung fu films on netflix uh <laughs> in in total existential dread uh because you thought they might never let you out of your own house ever again mm. um i and frustrated by the fact that we couldn't get together and make music we could rehearse could write stuff but just it's not the same right yeah. so i figured what else can we do to keep ourselves going and creating a comic was one way and ostensibly it would provide us with something useful that we could use to promote the the band and whatnot afterwards mm -hmm. so we got together we brought this scenario that i'd had to, to life and and flow and i did the dialogues um and then alan did the pages i did some of the uh storyboarding some of the sketching so that you know yeah. you know make do this, this, that, and but he he took the lead on most of it, right? Let's not take away from uh from his uh artistic acumen. Um but then we launched it at this Comic Con and it really sold if you because as you may know there's a fair overlap between metalheads and yeah. comic nerds, right? Um and and it, it really sold and we sold records at the comic-con and we made new fans so we repeated that and then when we brought it to shows it would sell as well because people were like well we're essentially the only band to do that yeah i think i may be wrong maybe i'm being a bit presumptuous but since then i have come to uh to know that uh memoriam released a couple of comics themselves so whether or not they've been inspired by us, mm. I don't know. But I know that we we did it before them, and I know we played some gigs together. By the way, this is in no way, shape, or form any kind of gatekeeping. If we, no, if no, we no, want to do it, sure. they, and you know, contribute to that, it's another market. It's another brilliant. stream of income, and it's it's a it's a brilliantly put together piece. But like the, did you have to research much for? Like, I mean, storytelling is an art form in itself. So, like, so honestly, the first one, I'd had this arc in mind 
for a while anyway. It okay. became challenging when, because the, the, there was this this background, this kind of this backstory, this world that was mostly built in my head anyway. But it became challenging when it came to conveying key parts of that information mm. in only 20 pages. Yes. In, in comic book format. And it's like, actually, when when we put it together and, and I printed it and we read through it, it's like, actually, we're missing a bit of context here. So we had to create a new page to okay. add some of that exposition. And, and then it made a lot more sense, right? And it flowed better. Yeah. But for the second one, which we're literally finishing up this week, literally right now, I'm talking to Alan, um, which I'm also very excited about. For this one, I've done a lot more in terms of researching story structure, storytelling, yeah. you know, what's what's the midpoint, how to build the climax, all that kind of, in a way, planning, how to intertwine it with the character arc, that sort of business and bear in mind that this is chapter two in a six or seven part edition arc right, right. um but if honestly if you liked issue one in any way shape or form you're you're going to dig issue two it's we've taken everything to a new level the artwork the storytelling oh. the kind of the, the the tension building the, the world the, the concepts that we bring into the world as well like it's it's on the edge between sci-fi and gothic fantasy kind of thing so there's 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 some extra features that if you like that sort of thing you will appreciate yeah it is it is wonderful and so it was printed by formala print yeah they're they're, they're a printer out in uh somewhere in the Thames Valley, I can't remember exactly where, but they've always been really helpful and supportive. And there was this time where the, there were like a batch where there were 10, um, which didn't work quite stapled together properly. So they sent us another 50 in the next yeah. one. So. And Nightside Publishing is your yourself then, is it? Yes, yes, that's us. Okay. I like the inside of it as well. So you can put in some advertisements for bands well yes i mean that was that was a no-brainer because we were with apocalyptic at at the time uh which we're obviously still on good terms with and to give them a little bit of free extra boost which was kind of nice and you know they're they're hundreds of people now that would never have heard of these bands yeah exactly that 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 now now have so yeah it's great but in Congratulations terms of on it, man. Thank you. In t- uh, just wanted to add, in terms of the publishing, originally we really weren't sure what we were going to do with it, whereas whether it was going to be a booklet we, could, we were just going to give away or add as a, something. Or, or, But our ideal scenario was to find a publisher who's going to do all the legwork for us. Mm. And it became apparent that nobody was going to pick you up if you... It's very much like... Uh, music industry situation right and if if you've got a profile and a fan base and people who buy your stuff then you start to get interest of people who want to make money off you as it were and right now i think we're perfectly happy going going it alone although we have had interest from publishers at this point interesting 
let's keep watching this page as they say to see where it goes but like it's such a professional product anyway just i mean it like if that's at a merch stand you're straight away the metal fan will be over there looking at it how much was it again uh seven pounds seven pounds yeah come on fantastic so issue two will be Oh, we're launching it at uh, the next Comic-Con, unless something goes horribly wrong. Oh, wow. Isn't that uh, great, man? So the yeah. Comic-Cons are, are probably in a lot of, of the main UK cities. Um, well, so far, we've only done Comic-Cons in London and Bristol. Okay. But I want to expand our, our reach. Um, and, yeah, um, the, the, just doing the London ones is a fair amount of work, but it's it enables us to get it out there and it, it gives a certain pace to what we're doing. So instead of waiting on bands or the opportunity to gig or whatever, you can just book another table and get in front of people and then have a real exchange, just engage with potential fans or people who are enthusiastic about yeah. you know, music or comics, etc. And then the, the, that that really comes from there. Brilliant. To wrap it up, let's talk about what you have coming down the line gig-wise. I think the first one is the Talmanator Metal Fest. Yes. Nate, I was looking at the lineup. Some nice bands there. Sodom, Dying Fetus, Holy Moses, Insanity Alert, Trez the Horde, Beast. Pick out a few of my favourites. There's also an Alnathrak earlier in the week and... I can't remember what the, the full lineup is, but every day has some really, really solid bands. And you know that the underground stage will be excellent as well. Mm. Um, so it's, I think it's fair to say that it's the new Metal Days because it's on the site where Metal Days used to be when it was content to be a sort of medium, small, medium festival. Okay. Um, so. Uh, I would highly recommend it to anyone who is interested in any kind of festival experience because it won't be like any other festival. It'll be its own thing. It'll be out in nature rather than penned in a in a campsite. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah, it's we're very excited about it. Excellent. So then your next day then is the 2nd of August in the Dome. What's that like as a venue? Um. Well, it's been upgraded a few times since I started going there and the sound system is much better than it used to be. And it's as as is the lighting and it's honestly, it's one of the better kind of capacity wise, small to medium venues capacity. It's like, I don't know, it's six, seven hundred, something like um, that. OK, and that's and that's with Lake or is it? Yes. OK. And, uh, and we're, yeah, we're looking forward. This this is their only date in the UK in festival season. They're basically coming over because there are no festivals in the UK. They're going to play one date and then they're going to do a, a bunch of fests in Europe. I think, well, they are an Australian band. And if you haven't checked them out, I would uh, I would recommend it. What are they, death metal? Or... Sort of. The term is that's used is melodic death, but I think that's really misleading because melodic death, uh, to me, conjures up um, things like in flames, uh, yeah. etc. And that's not that's really not what they're about. 
I think the term melodic is, I was actually talking to a friend about this yesterday, is massively overused mm. and misused, right? Because melody is just a recognizable, identifiable sequence of notes. Yeah. Right? You can have a, a a chromatic melody, I suppose, but uh, but yeah, that's that's not what melodic means. Melodic means in this context, major scale sounding, and there are a lot more oblique in their approach to music. Right? It's not just kind of nasty or cheesy or whatever. There's interesting chordal and modal progressions which make it worthwhile uh, in terms of uh, at least giving it a listen. Definitely. The next one up is September in Ireland. You're back over to us with Zealot, Cult and Cancer. Yeah, 30th of September. Let's check that. Excellent stuff. I'll probably see you there. And the last one then Nathaniel is Brighton in December, unless now there's other stuff that you you can't announce. Well, yet. we're we're always we're always yeah. looking to secure yes. more shows, and uh, and yes, there is stuff in the pipeline. But um, but at the moment, that's the only ones we're allowed. At the moment, though, those four dates are the only ones yeah. in the calendar. Plus, we've got the album to get True. on with. So uh, okay, so that's it, my friend. Thank you for coming on the show again. Pleasure talking to you as always. Thank you very much for having us on. And uh, yeah, it's great to speak to yeah, you. So well. check out World Turn Tell. It came out on the 2nd of June on Church Road Records on cassette and CD. And it's a lovely taster of what's to come, in my opinion. And also get on their Bandcamp page and buy The Bloodied. Um, talked about this. It's fantastic. So it's a really nice thing to have to your collection and unusual as well. Uh, so congratulations on that. Say hello to Flo, Nick and Faust for me as well. Certainly well. Yeah, and like I always end the show, support your local medicine.